What's up, people? Another episode of Justice Porch. Mocha Davis here with you. We got Jokers Wild in tennis and in basketball as the NBA season comes to an end and we go from the French Open to Wimbledon. We'll talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs. A reverse boycott that I, I'm sorry, I just don't understand. And I don't understand why Floyd Mayweather is still fighting. I really don't. But first, we are going to start with the NBA. And the Denver Nuggets made history winning their first NBA championship in a gentleman's sweep of the Miami Heat. And Nikola Jokic, who was quoted as saying, uh, is like, it's crazy to think he's talking about how there is uh, more to life than basketball, if you will. Um, Which I think is somewhat noble, but, you know, I mean, basketball kind of made you who you are. Nikola Jokic said, Quote, basketball is not the main thing in my life. It's something that I'm good at. End quote. I find that kind of cool. That's kind of cool. However, basketball made you who you are. So, um... As we all have jobs, I can see you saying that it's not the main thing in your life when you have a wife and the, or, or let's just say a family, right? Family is more important. And so I do get that. But I so enjoyed these playoffs, if nothing else is validation for me. Um, I was rooting for Miami, I will say. Um, because, uh, really Karan Butler, uh, my connection to him throughout life as a player. And then after his playing career, um, I wanted to see the Miami Heat get it. Um, but there are several connections to the Denver Nuggets that I also was happy to, um, keep the streak alive that, former Washington Wizards that had to have been traded or left in free agency the year before or in the current season that played for the championship contender. And I think we're at like 12 champions in a row, but this takes the cake. KCP, Ish Smith, Thomas Bryant, Uncle Jeff, Jeff Green, um, and, uh, one, shoot, I can't believe this. One is escaping me right now. There's one escaping me. I said KCP. It'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. But there's also Popeye Jones, a former Washington wizard who's on the coaching staff and Calvin Booth, who, was on the Wizards uh, when I joined um, the, uh, or was hired, let's say hired. 
but there are more than enough Washington Wizards connections to the Denver Nuggets. So I was like, yeah, that is cool. And I am glad that they won. I have been saying for years that Nikola Jokic is the best big man in the history of the game. And I stand by that. He is showing it. He is showing with his talent as a leader, as a passer, scorer, rebounder. And it's such it's just a good story. Um the injury to Jamal Murray and to come back and say he's gonna be better than ever, you could see the emotion in his face. Uh, after they won, the tears coming down, even when he's about to be interviewed um, by Lisa Salters, he was uh, starting to cry, but but held it back. But it was just it's just cool for Denver to win. I always like to see a team winning a championship for the first time. Now, I will say I found that it was interesting, the narrative that maybe it's not much of a narrative, but uh, Nikola Jokic is no punk. And he showed it two years in the playoffs in a row when he got, I believe, ejected from the elimination game for both years in a row for getting into it with opponents. And this year, even though it wasn't an ejection, you know, there are a couple of couple of choice plays by him that could have been reviewed and they weren't by the referees. But overall, he seems to be a pretty cool guy. I still couldn't believe that he was the last player taken in the uh all-star draft uh that definitely was some real disrespect but the the real real disrespect is that he was not the mvp this reminded me very much of like a uh we can't give it to michael jordan again so we'll just Give it to Karl Malone? Nope. Nikola Jokic was the best player in the NBA. And even if I had a vote this year, yes, I probably would have voted for Giannis Antetokounmpo. His numbers were comparable, not triple-double, but comparable, and the Bucks had the best record in the NBA. But instead, the writers had pity on Joel Embiid and was just like, oh yeah, we'll make him the MVP. He's not an MVP. Why, in a situation where it is unfortunate, but you're playing in the era of somebody that's just better than you, playing the same position as you, you just can't just get the MVP. And yet I feel like they just handed it to him. That the the guy who uh, who had the quote. Um, after the 95 bridge collapse in Philly, talking about, oh, we just have the worst luck right now. Lost the Super Bowl, lost the World Series. Now I-95 is closed down. But you can cheer that Joel B got his MVP and then promptly showed that he's not really an MVP. He cannot lead his team to the championship. And you can argue up and down all you want that he's not or rather he is, excuse me, but show me. Show me that he was the MVP. 
show me that when I look at the stats, his numbers are simply not comparable. That's that's my feeling is that for me, when I look at the top five um, points per game, And I'm going to say playoffs for now. Then I'll go to regular season. Uh, Nikola Jokic, top five points per game. Top two rebounds per game. Top two assists per game. And the reason why I'm bringing up the playoffs is because I want you to understand that realistically... I mean, even if you now let's go to the regular season. I mean, total points, 600 in the playoffs. I mean, I just, I just don't, I don't get how you could not see it. And I didn't see it. I mean, I was saying, oh no, I'm going to vote for, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, led the league in points per game, 33.1. Rebounds per game, 10.2. Assists per game, 4.2. Plus minus 6.4. Giannis averaged 31 points per game. Rebounds per game, 11.8. His plus minus differential was 5.4. And I know he may not have had the points that that some would say, well, that that's everything. Okay, Nikola Jokic, 24.5 points per game. rebounds, 9.8 assists, but that plus minus, 9.3, you know what that did? That led the league. That led the league. Assists per game, he was fourth in the league with, of course, you know, a bunch of point guards around him. He led the league. Rebounds per game. Top three in rebounds per game. It Points. He's all the way down at 25. Joel Embiid's one. I, I just... What he, what Nikola Jokic does, and you saw it in the playoffs, was just magical. And I am 100% happy for the Denver Nuggets. I really am. I'm sad for uh, the thoughts of what's more recently coming is Woj with the bomb 
reporting that Bradley Beal wants a trade or that they're the Wizards, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, I misspoke, that the Wizards are looking to shop Bradley. I want the best for Bradley Beal, and he's not going to get that in Washington. They want to rebuild. They should rebuild, and I'd be happy for him. My prediction is that somehow they'll work out a deal for him to go to Boston. Jalen Brown and a pick and maybe another player or two will somehow come back to the Washington Wizards, and Beal will be reunited with Jason Tatum. That's my thought. Now, maybe Bradley Beal won't like that because even though he and Jason Tatum are really tight, maybe there will be some tension and Bradley Beal would want to go somewhere where he can either be the guy or not necessarily defer to someone that he thinks of as like his little brother. If there was a deal where Jason Tatum, it's one thing to look at him playing on another team and be like, yeah, he's he's the best player. He's number one. It's another to be on that team and be like, wait, he's number one? What about me? But I want to see him get traded. And I hope he goes to a contender and he can shine. That would also, for me, would probably be the last player that like I feel like there's a, still a connection for me to the Wizards. Once he's gone, they're they're my home basketball team. I will always root for them, but I won't have a connection to the players anymore. The same way that I did when I was working there. And who would? But it'll be interesting to keep my eye on that. And of course, we'll be keeping our, our eye not on the Wimbayama sweepstakes. We know San Antonio is going to take Wimbayama, but... Now we're on to the next season. And if he's going to be playing in San Francisco, I'm thinking about mm, maybe I'll go to Summer League in Vegas for a couple days if I can make it work. Because that's going to be, whoo, I'm excited to see him play. I really am. May have to take a, may have to go into, uh, watch him play against San Antonio, play against the Wizards or the Cavs or Sixers or somebody if I can get to one of those cities to be able to check him out. As I've been thinking and getting farther and farther away from working for a sports team, I miss the game more. I find myself thinking about wanting to see more games and thinking about the players that retired, and I'm pivoting to tennis a little bit, um, not having had the chance to see Serena play uh, or Novak Djokovic, which is still a possibility, but no Rafa, no Roger Federer. And the Joker is still wild. Two Jokers won. Novak Djokovic won the French Open. And Nikola Jokic won the NBA title. But as I think, as I watch the French Open and watch... Uh, so uh, Novak Djokovic just dispatched with Casper Ruud in three sets. I think he's the greatest of all time. He has winning records against Rafa and Federer. While you want to try to detract away from the fact that, oh, well, 
Roger and Federer won, you know, 20, 20 majors for Federer, 22 for Nadal. Think about that. Think about how many titles were won. Like when Michael Jordan was in his prime. He had to retire for Houston to win two in a row. Or else I think the Bulls could have won eight. Which also, as I say so many times, that cements the conspiracy theories for me. I mean, come on. You're the most competitive person. You don't leave basketball after you won three championships in a row. You don't. Because you had a chance, if you really were competitive, you had a chance to try to go after Bill Russell and the Celtics record. And you didn't. Because there was a reason you couldn't. And that will always most likely be forever sealed. That that will never be known in the NBA. But I believe it. But I digress. Novak Djokovic is the first player in history to win all four majors at least three times. I'm predicting this year he will get the Golden Slam. Even if Rafa is able to come back, I don't see him being the same. And I think Novak knows this. And he showed even in the semifinals, he's in tip-top condition. Everyone talks about Carlos Alcaraz. He couldn't even make it through a four-set match. He's got to work on his conditioning. Novak Djokovic is a fine-tuned machine. And as I was watching the semifinals and the finals, I kept thinking about Man, how adamant he was that he would not take the COVID vaccine because he didn't want to put something like that in his body. Now, I think he still would have won. And I know it was very emotional and tough for him to not be able to play in the two leagues that he, um, excuse me, in the Grand Slams during the height of the pandemic, which we're still, you know, people can still get COVID right now. But I think at 23 majors, tied with Serena Williams and one behind Margaret Court, I expect him to be at 25 by the time we end this season. And if he doesn't get 25 this season, I expect it at least next year he'll get one or two. And not only will he be making history, but I'd be curious if anyone can come in behind him. That's going to be really tough. Novak Djokovic knows what history he's making. He knows he is separating himself from even Rafa and Federer at the top of his game. And no one is better. And who knows if someone will be eventually. Who knows if someone will be eventually. And speaking of who knows... Back in 20, man, was that 2017, 2018, when the Caps won the Stanley Cup? It was 2018. Six seasons ago, I was in Vegas for game four, maybe game three, might have been game three. And then back home with my colleagues to watch the Washington Capitals clinched the Stanley Cup in Vegas. You always feel for the runner-up. It's always sad. But yesterday, I, we could cheer for the Vegas Golden Knights. It's amazing that their owner predicted in six years they would win it all, and they did. 
They really won it in six. And the funny thing is there were several uh, former Caps that were on the Vegas Golden Knights. Now we got another streak going, maybe. Uh, George McPhee and a couple of employees that worked at the Caps when I was there. But also, I don't remember his name, um, which is sad. I, sh- I should have tried to remember. Um, but there was a player on Golden Knight, on the Golden Knights that were on the Caps when they won. And so that was really cool. But the craziest thing to come out of the tournament was I was listening to the broadcast and they were talking about um, the... Uh, Con Smythe winner, Jonathan Marshall for the Vegas Golden Knights. Hope he said his last name right. He was undrafted. And they went on to say first player to win the Con Smythe trophy, first undrafted player to win the Con Smythe trophy since Wayne Gretzky. And I had to do a double take. I was like, wait, wait, what do you what do you what do you mean? I was like, wait, wait, you're telling me Wayne Gretzky went undrafted? That he had to play his way onto a team? He had to prove himself onto a team? I just, I I could not believe what they were saying. I still don't. And I was like, okay, this can't be right that he was undrafted, but he literally was undrafted. And in my mind, when I think about how good Wayne Gretzky was, okay, I'm not going to act like I know everything about him per se, but the fact that he went undrafted, I just don't understand it. Now, maybe because... He went from the WHA to the NHL, and so it wasn't a draft per se. Um, and so to an extent, I know it's a technicality. But to think that in an expansion draft, when the WHA folded, he simply went undrafted. I just, I just don't get it. Um... Uh, but it just seemed like it was one of those technicalities that wasn't true. And so then I said, well, let me go. Wait, wait. I got to go back and understand this. And I don't quite understand it, but I know that the Oilers, they were allowed to protect 
two goaltenders and two skaters um, in the 1979 NHL expansion draft. And there was a league requirement, I mean, an age requirement, and Gretzky was maybe too young, but they didn't want to send him back to the junior level. So um, Edmonton was allowed to keep him on the roster, but not put him on the draft board. It's just complicated, and I just feel like that doesn't make sense. That would be like if Michael Jordan somehow went undrafted, but a team had the rights to him when the WHA. It just just got complicated, and I just feel like in my mind, after I first heard that, I was like, well, technically that's true, but it's not. Like they, Edmonton Oilers, knew about Wayne Gretzky, and he was going to play in the NHL. I mean, come on. Come on. Nevertheless, I enjoyed watching the Golden Knights lift the trophy. I always love a team winning at home, so that was pretty cool too. Um, that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. And congratulations to them and the former cat, my co- former colleagues that work for the Vegas Golden Knights as well. Um, I remember meeting George McPhee for the first time, and he had on. Those like old school sweatpants, super skinny with like the um, ribbed, ribbed bottoms. Um, It was like straight out of 1980s, but he was so cool um, to talk to and very nice. I thought he was very nice. So I was happy for him to see him lift the Stanley Cup. Uh, That was a cool story. Speaking of school, cool stories, uh, the Canadian Open. Um, I was watching what was the greatest putt ever um, after Nick Taylor won the um, championship on what was the longest putt um, probably in Taylor's career or ever. Um, but the best story was Adam Hadwin, who was Nick Taylor's friend, was tackled by security. Um, but that putt for Eagle, um, I, I don't know. There was something about it. I was like, yeah, I am not going to be watching. I am not going to be watching the Canadian Open. And yet I found myself there. I found myself there watching it after the putt, but um, it was, wow, it was pretty cool. And the other cool story is um, I was watching uh, the MLB Network and um, the Giants' Keaton win earns a save for the San Francisco Giants in his first time ever in a Major League Baseball stadium. Go check it out. It was his first time ever in a Major League ballpark. 
He's from a little city in Iowa, um, Ollie, Iowa. I think they said that there's like population of under 200, something like that. And that that was that was just pretty neat to see that happen. And it makes you think about um, your own kids or relative that you wonder if, oh, will they make it to the major leagues? And you don't need everything to be handed to you. You don't need to come from a big city. You need to be playing in the biggest leagues. If you have the talent, to an extent, there's an opportunity for you to be successful. And this might be one of the best Cinderella stories ever. Um, that just... And it was a four-inning save. That was the other part that was crazy. Speaking of crazy, Wynn said, quote, it was crazy, it was awesome, I don't even know how to describe it, so awesome, end quote. He had like 30 of his family friends there. Um, it's, I mean, it's just so wild to think that that was his first time ever in a major league ballpark. I mean, because you think if he played baseball... He never, never did he think about, oh, I want to go see a game. Somewhere, he maybe wanted to go to a game, but, you know, I guess not. He just pitched where he pitched and said, hey, I mean, maybe all along, that's what it was. He was like, I won't go to a stadium until... I can be a major league pitcher. And that was his thing. Maybe that was his thing. I'm going to end it on something else. But staying with baseball. Um, still amazed at how well um, the Orioles are doing. Even though Ryan Mountcastle just went on um, IL. Let's hope he's okay. But to think Baltimore is in second place, still can't catch Tampa Bay, man. But they're what, four games ahead of the Yankees. I actually had Minnesota was one of the teams I said to watch out for. Now, granted, AL Central only two games above 500. Didn't see Texas being where they are. Didn't see Pittsburgh being where they are. Unfortunately, they lost two in a row. Comeback win uh, tonight uh, by the Cubs in El Central and the AL Central are both all of the, the the top teams are teetering around five hundred. But what I want to talk about are the Oakland A's in this reverse boycott. And I just want to know why. They said almost 28,000 fans showed up for this reverse boycott. My thing is to say, oh, Oakland deserves better. You think about the signs. Make Fisher pay for relocation. They want him to sell. 
My thing is what I remember of the Oakland A's, whether it is something that I only understand from afar, they didn't always lose. Billy Bean always found a way to win. And there were a lot of times that there were a lot of times that they just simply did more with less. That's what I remember. I mean, in 2019, they were 97 and 65. 2021, they were 10 games above 500. If you look at their record over the last 10 years, half of those seasons, they had a record above 500. Three years ago, they were in the playoffs. In the last 12 seasons, six of those seasons, they went to the playoffs. Billy Bean did a lot to keep the Oakland Athletics afloat. Now, I will say, as there were people saying, oh, you're going to be dupe Vegas. You're going to make, he's going to make it seem like you're getting a really, uh, a owner that wants to spend in a good team. Then he's going to come to Las Vegas and just try to make money and not give you a good team. Okay, I'll kind of give you that. But I also would say, from the outside looking in, why don't you just try to go to games instead of doing a reverse boycott now that it's almost at the end where he's going to leave. They're going to go to a new city. Because I feel like you can't put the cart before the horse. You want them to spin and saying, build it, they will come. I mean, I know the Orioles... You know, they are trying to build it. And in some ways, you know, the fans are there depending on who the opponent is. It's not sold out. I mean, heck, you look at the Dodgers and they say fans show up fourth inning, fifth inning. But they show up. And I say if you're the Oakland Athletic fans, maybe just start showing up period, and not calling it a reverse boycott. I could be wrong, could be totally wrong, and I'm sure somebody in Oakland would say, you don't know what you're talking about. But the facts are, in the last 12 seasons, six of them, they went to the playoffs. Five of the last 10 seasons, they had winning records. Billy Bean was the first, in my mind, the first analytics guy, if you will. And it showed in the success of the team. Don't reverse boycott. Just go to the games because you love the Oakland A's. 
don't now out of desperation you want to just show up and be like, oh yeah, you know, we need the owner to sell. Vegas, be be careful what you wish for. Oh yeah, it doesn't guarantee it's gonna win. But if Vegas allows for more sellouts, more revenue, the ability to sign more um, high-profile stars or keep your young stars, whatever the case may be, I hope it works out. I hope Major League Baseball is going to think about keeping an eye on that owner. Because obviously, you know, in Golden State, they support it in Oakland and now support them in San Francisco. Now, I know the Giants are in San Francisco, so it's not like they can move there. And maybe what is happening is Oakland and San Francisco are just too close together. And so that's why it's better for Oakland to move so that they can have some breathing room and have their own set of fans. Did you think about that? Maybe it's just time. You can still be, I actually wore my Oakland Athletic shirt today. Um, that's right, I have an Oakland Athletic shirt. It says Davis, number two on the back. There was a Davis on the team last year. And I got it for cheap. Support your team. Maybe they wouldn't be leaving. So I wouldn't call it reverse boycott, but a wake-up call. A wake-up call to try to save the team. Speaking of saving, I'm, I'm going to give you some minutes back. Spare you having to hear me talk anymore. Hope you enjoyed Just for Sport. I'm Jim O'Kay. Ciao for now.